Hey guys, welcome to That Screwed Up. I'm Bianca. And I'm Ashley. This is a podcast about some true crime and paranormal activities within the Houston area, also the surrounding cities of the Houston area. Because we big, y'all. Yes, we are. And, well, Houstonians are pretty conceited. We we all love being from Houston, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, we don't want any of you people moving here, so stay out. <laughs> stay away. So basically what this podcast is just kind of something that Ashley and I have decided that we were going to do for funsies. Um, Ashley and I met a couple years back in the uh, event industry and we kind of grew our friendship based off of our love for true crime and I kind of forced some spooky stuff on her. So yeah, we decided literally a couple weeks ago that we would start our own true crime podcast because why not? <laughs> yep. And here we are still in the event industry, still interested in true crime. And well, for me, still spooky stuff. So, yeah. so, but I guess we should go ahead and kind of get started into what today's podcast is going to be about. Uh, so let's bring some light to the pride community. Uh, it is pride month. So welcome all of my LGBTQ listeners, however many there are out there. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have two we we might <laughs> I think the two might just be your husband and my fiance because we're most likely going to make them listen to this so yeah we'll see so sorry guys so sorry uh but today's story is going to be about Paul Broussard Paul Broussard was a gay man um back in 1991 who was attacked uh and was like a very big victim of um some gay bashing so let's get started uh, in 1991, the LGBT community still had a taboo nature associated with it, especially in the Houston, Texas area. The Montrose area had a rate of 19% of LGBT residents. So that was actually a pretty like high rate for like it being known for like a gay community, pretty much. During the late 80s and early 90s, a lot of crimes like mugging would go unreported because the community knew the cops wouldn't step in since it was a gay community. So the early 90s was still pretty much like a very big um, like year for like the HIV AIDS epidemic. So a lot of like cops, first responders weren't really doing too much for the community. And like I said, being gay was still very, very like weird to society. Um, gay men were so worried about walking home late at night that they would have to walk in the middle of the street because they knew people were lurking in the bushes to start trouble and nothing would ever be done about it until ba Paul Broussard was attacked. Yeah, it's crazy that people knew that cops wouldn't show up, so they, they targeted them for crime because they, yes, they, they, they knew they could get away with it. And just like thinking that like I've walked up and down Montrose so many times and like, yes, people still walking up and down like the main like road of Montrose. Like that's so crazy to me that like that probably only started because of a fear of walking on the sidewalks. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> and like that's just led into like the 2000s. So that's just so crazy to me. Paul Broussard was a 27 year old gay man. He had graduated from Texas A&M and was a professional banker. When in the early hours on July 4th, 4th, 1991, was a victim to gay bashing that led to his death. On July 4th, nine teens ages ranging from 15 to 17 and a 22-year-old man had left a high school party high on drugs and drunk. They have drove from the Woodlands to the Houston Montrose area. After being denied entry to a few nightclubs, they pulled into a parking lot where they ran into Broussard and his two friends, Carrie Anderson and Richard Delaney. 
They were crossing back. Uh, they were crossing the parking lot back home, which was only a few blocks away. Broussard and and Broussard Anderson and Dulani were heading home while crossing the parking lot. The three men came across the group of teens and the 22 year old. They had stopped the men and asked them for directions. The boys then got out of the car and attacked the men with steel toe boots, bear claws, and a small pocket knife. Anderson and Dulani were able to escape the attackers, but unfortunately, Paul wasn't so lucky. Broussard had suffered multiple puncture wounds. I did it again. I want to say puncture <laughs> wounds and not puncture wounds. <laughs> this has been, oh my gosh, I can't even. Like, it's I'm been just, a day. Yes. <laughs> he had suffered multiple puncture wounds. <laughs> abrasions oh there goes your alarm that's is not that mine girl take your peel i don't even know where my phone went <laughs> wait that wasn't my phone what whose phone was it It was travis's phone it's behind us oh <laughs> that was so funny uh so broussard had suffered multiple puncture wounds abrasions a broken rib and bruised testicles as Paul lay there nearly unconscious, a few of the attackers went through his pockets and kept his comb as a souvenir. That is so weird. That is really weird. His comb. The 10 young men drove back up I-45 to the woodlands, leaving Broussard badly beaten. I do want to go ahead and announce that I will not be bringing or like mentioning any of the attackers' names just because they're just they don't need to be represented in any way or, you know, they don't need the the fan club <laughs> EMS teams were very slow to respond to the matter in fear of contracting AIDS. Paul Broussard wounded, but still awake and familiar with what just had happened, told his EMS team when they arrived as the, as the EMS team got ready to transport Paul to Ben Taub medical center, Paul demanded going to St. Joseph medical center, which no one really knows why he chose that medical center instead, knowing that Paul or Ben Taub was like a lot closer. I wonder if he thought he knew someone there, but then still. Yeah, or maybe like, I don't know. He had been to that hospital before and just felt more comfortable. It's hard to say. That's, we'll never know. Yeah. Uh, the MS team had decided that Paul's wounds weren't a priority transport, meaning no sirens or lights. What should have been an eight-minute drive to Ben Taub Medical ended up being a 40-minute drive to Paul's hospital of choice. Upon arriving, it took an hour before a doctor came to check in on Paul, where he had later died of internal injuries. So, so okay, do they, does EMS even do that anymore? Would they bring them to, like, a hospital that far away? I don't know if they are allowed. I mean, I'm guessing, like, if there's, like, a specific, like, if you have a choice or a preference, I mean, you're just going to get charged for it. I don't know. <laughs> for and that drive. Giving the medical team benefit of the doubt, you know, if someone shows up coherent, knows what happened, does not seem to be, like, in and out of consciousness, I get where they could maybe mess up and say, yeah. oh, I did had no idea he had internal bleeding, which, I mean, I've, I haven't experienced this. I, I've not. Um, but I did, like, go to the hospital one time where I did end up having some internal bleeding, and I sat there for hours, you know, before yeah. even seeing a doctor. That's so insane. You never know, um, especially if the EMS team was like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. It's fine. Yeah. And I'm sure the EMS team has to let the like medical professionals know upon arrival. So that way they know what they're dealing with. So I'm sure they were just like, hey, like it's not a priority. He was be badly beaten up and that was just it. So like that's probably why he waited for yeah. so long. Um, but there was also like a couple of mixed reviews on those articles where like some articles said that like it was because he was gay and some articles where were like, oh, it was because it was busy. 
we're going to go ahead and just say that it was because it was busy because I like to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but it was the early 90s. So <laughs> I wonder if there was like, I wonder if they sued the hospital. I didn't see anything about anyone suing. Um, I feel like if they sued, then yeah, it would definitely be negligence. Yeah. If that was the case. But and I'm pretty sure like the reason why they didn't was because, like I said, in the early 90s, like being gay was so like maybe they didn't think that a case. Yeah. And like, I don't know. They already knew like police and people like, you know, they weren't doing anything to like step in and help all like the gay community when yeah. things were going wrong. So I'm sure they were like, oh, if we try to see the hospital. They're not like nothing's going to come of it. Mm. The 90s, man. This happened the year I was born. Jeez. Yeah. It's crazy. Thinking about yes, people. I am changed. 31. As much <laughs> as things have like have changed, it really hasn't like. They're, I'm sorry. You take your pill. <laughs> I don't take a pill, girl. Neither uh, do I. <laughs> uh, no, but like, so we're in the event industry still, obviously. And I've talked to people that, you know, are looking for wedding venues and they get turned away because they're gay or whatever. And I, I can't believe that it's still happening, but. You know, yeah. I guess as business owners, they have the right to refuse service, which is really stupid because, you know, if anyway, yeah, just to it's say, just, it's still happening, you know, there's yeah, it's, still a lot of There's people. still a lot of, like, people against the gay community, which is so sad. And it's not even just the gay community. I mean, it's, like, the Black Lives Matter community. Like, there's just so many different, like, communities that people are still so against. And it's just, like, just let people be, like. It's and, not affecting you personally, yeah. so, like, why? And one of the decisions we actually kind of decided to focus on Houston for this podcast and Houston crimes is because we're we're a big melting pot here, you know. Like lots of different cultures, lots of different kinds of people. I feel like as, as a city, we're very inclusive for the most part because we do have such a wide range of people, so we just really wanted to represent like what Houston is as a community, because I feel like we all come together. We really do. We really do. And we are, we're a very big diverse group. And I mean, I just feel like at the end of the day, like we kind of stick to ourselves and we kind of like defend our, each other as much as we can. Um, but in the nineties, it was just a totally different time. So clearly there wasn't really a whole lot of standing together. <laughs> it's funny how we're like, oh yeah, we totally grew up in the nineties. It's so Dude, great. No, I was and then born we look back in the nineties. So <laughs> but we are so proud to be nineties babies. It's all that matters. I, mean, I don't so care. Hard. Yeah. Having, having a Gen Z sister, I think has made me realize that I would prefer to be a nineties baby. 100%. Like 100%. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Just their mental health alone because of social media. Oh, I yes. Can't even. I can't. And no one's like raising them to be prepared for that. No. You know, because like their parents don't know. I feel like the generation that we're having right now mm-hmm. is going to be probably the most well-rounded because we know parenting techniques yes. that absolutely do not work. We know to, you know, be more like inclusive and mm-hmm. supportive of our kids yeah. and let them have emotions. So I feel like as a generation, we go through lots of therapy, but I feel like our kids won't be as bad. Hopefully. Um, I'm sure therapy will be more, um, like utilized and obviously not a stigma about it by the time they're a little older. But, um, I think we're normalizing that. We definitely are health in general. Yeah. 
When Paul's mom, Nancy Rodriguez, heard the news about her son, she flew to Houston, Texas from Atlanta, Georgia, and immediately met with the Houston police. Alongside with her was Anderson and Delani. Houston gay rights activate, advocate. Why do I keep wanting to say advocate? Or activist. <laughs> Ray Hill went to the police station to follow up on the progress of the Broussard case. He had learned that the cops weren't planning on doing anything with the case. And after that, Hill went straight to the media and caused an uproar through the LGBT community. Did you know that in the 90s, the LGBT community was actually called a GLBT? That's really strange. Yeah. Yeah. And originally, I was going to state it as the GLBT, but... I'm so used it's to saying It's like a tongue LGBT. twister. You yes. just be like, G- words, and letters, <laughs> numbers. I don't know. <laughs> Paul's death took a big hit on the LGBT community and had many asking why the cops weren't taking this seriously. With the media now involved and the police doing little to nothing about Broussard's case, Queer Nation came in on, on July 13th, 1991 at 8.30 p.m. 3,000 people, gay and straight, joined together to protest for their rights. This was Houston's first real protest. Now, Houston wasn't a protest state. Houston is known for it being a state of where people move to for jobs. I mean, we're a very hot state, so no one wants to be outside protesting or doing anything at all. I mean, like, it was 105 degrees today. That was disgusting. So I can't imagine protesting outside in 105 degrees in the middle no, of July. Yeah. <laughs> It was Houston's first real protest. It started peacefully and ended with a large group of people taking over the streets of Montrose to Westheimer. At some point during the protest, everyone sat down as a union, and that's when the cops and the media realized this was a strong community of people that they will not stand down. Two weeks after this, a college student went to her openly gay professor and told him she knew who one of the attackers were. That led to the arrest of the Woodlands 10. They were calling them the Woodlands 10, which sounds like a boys band. <laughs> The Woodlands 10. Dun, dun, the Woodlands dun. always have to be special. Oh. And they t- probably named themselves that. They probably did. <laughs> they, these these 10 men were like, we're the Woodlands 10. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, I live in the Woodlands. I live in the I Woodlands. I don't, I don't, I'm from Houston. I'm from the don't you live like 30 minutes from the Woodlands? <laughs> I'm closer than that, girl. Yeah, you are. But I don't, I don't, I don't claim that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, whatever. Houston's Houston. Yeah. I'm from Houston. Honestly. Houston's 30 minutes away from Houston is what I tell like all of my out-of-state people that are like, oh, how do I get to this place? I'm like, oh, with traffic, 30 minutes. Without traffic, 20. Literally anywhere, (laughs) give yourself an extra 20 minutes. Yes. (laughs) Not really, but like five-minute grace period. Obviously dependent on time of day. The nine teens and the the 22-year-old man had went to prison for the murderer, Paul Broussard. I'm just glad they all went to prison. So they could have easily just been like, I was only a bystander. I only did this. I only drove the car. Like they could. So they actually all ended up confessing of what they did. Yes. Well, it wasn't like all at once. I'm pretty sure like one of them was like, Oh yeah, I did it. And then yeah, this, this other person was with me and this other person was with me, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Ray Hill, who is, like I said, a huge gay rights activist, mm-hmm. advocate, oh my goodness, <laughs> um, actually went to go visit one of the one of the men and he'd realized that he was just a young, dumb teenager and felt bad for him at the end of the day. Yeah, and I feel like that happens a lot, especially when it's like groups that big. It's like yeah. that mob mentality. And you have to think about it, like it was only like they were fifteen to seventeen years old. So f- ranging Idiots. from fifteen, sixteen <laughs> to seventeen, and then there was 
a 22 year old man, adult man with them. So like, I, like, I'm not sitting here and saying like, oh my gosh, I get why they did it. They were teenagers, but they were teenagers. They were stupid teenagers. What they did was completely wrong and they should definitely rot in prison for it. But they were teenagers and they probably allowed this 22 year old to like just brainwash him because he was the older guy. So obviously you're going to sit here and be like, oh, he's 22. He's so cool. What he says goes. So I'm sure he had a lot more of like a say in things and like these kids did. Yeah. Ray Hill actually passed away a couple of years ago at the age Aww. of 83. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He was an I old, was like, old gentleman. Yeah. Geez. <laughs> he lived a really good life and he made sure that like the gay community in Houston had a voice. He took really good care of this community. Yeah. So, I mean, like just knowing like Ray Hill was like such a good person. I mean, he was openly gay too. So that's probably why he I was about that to ask that. Yes. He was I an openly gay man. I remember if said that or not. So yeah. I was like, uh. <laughs> I, could, I can't remember if I said it either, but he was an openly gay man. Um, and he made sure that Paul Broussard got the justice he deserved. And knowing that like the police weren't going to do anything prior. That's amazing. Like that's, yeah. that's beautiful. I feel like this is a part where you have to sing that ally song. What I forgot how it's like a TikTok thing. I don't know. Oh yeah, I don't remember I'm what it was. It was. I just, think that's how it goes. I thought, I, but it had like a beat anyway. I think it did. Yeah. Didn't you have um, kind of like a similar situation in high oh, school? Yeah. Okay. So I did not know him very well. I like I remember him from high school. I saw him walk the hallways, um, that sort of thing, but. I don't remember if it happened my senior year or after I graduated, but there was a guy we went to the high school with and I don't remember if it was, it it was probably at the beginning of like Tinder and all that good stuff. I don't don't even think Grindr was a thing at that time. No, Grindr didn't happen. I wasn't on dating apps at that time of my life. Um, (laughs) I think, well, cause you were a senior in high school. I hope you weren't on dating apps just yet. Um, (laughs) But, uh, So it was either, it was probably Facebook or something, you know, some way, some, some form of social media that he, uh, he met up with someone with the intention of like going on a date, I guess. Mm -hmm. And they ended up, I don't know if it was like just that individual or if he had friends, I'm sure he had friends. Uh, but they, you know, like met up with him and ended up killing him and murdering him. So it's super sad. Uh, and that happened, you know, back when. I mean, that was 2010, so around that time. Yeah. But super sad, you know, stuff like that happens all the time. Hate crimes are awful. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's still, like, a lot of people still have, like, fear of coming out still to this day. And just knowing that is, like, really sad. Um, I actually did look up an LGBT national hotline. So I'll definitely link that in our, like, Twitter and our Patreon and stuff like that. So that way people know about it. Um, so I'll link that phone number and their website. Um, and it's completely anonymous. You don't have to announce who you are. It's just a small little, you know, something it's kind of like just if you need someone to talk to and you're still in hiding or if you're dealing with gay bashing still to this day, like it's a community that you can call and go to. And I mean, the Montrose area is still a very big gay community area. So, if you're yeah. ever in Houston for and a visiting purposes yes. only, please visit the Montrose area. It was my favorite hotspot in college. You know, I used to, whenever I would skip school, I would drive out to Montrose because I knew my parents couldn't find me there. 
And that's where I would hang out. I feel like girls know to do this. uh, You know, whenever you're going on dates or meeting up with people from dating apps or whatever, share your location. Let people know where you're going to be. But that goes for men too. You know, like you never know what you're going to get into. There's catfish out there, you know, just be safe, share your location, do what you can to. Those dating apps are like more and more of like a, it's like a play, like a playground for bad people who only have bad intentions and whether you're gay or straight like you never know I've never necessarily had a a bad experience in dating apps back when I was living the single life I did not like uh, not like a scary bad experience it was like I showed up and the guy's profile said he was six five and I'm I mean yeah I'm five one yeah and he was shorter than me (laughs) I never had that and if he's listening he knows exactly who he is yeah (laughs) I, I always did my research, quote unquote research. Uh, I was really good at figuring out like if they didn't wrote, like put their height on there, oh, uh, yeah. I would look at like, you know, nearby items. No, that was my only bad experience ever. So you don't have to, I was on the lookout for that. So no, that's, no. that's just me. Well, you're uh, tall. So yeah, like well, that exactly. makes sense. Like yeah. I had to, you know, like there's that. anyone that was over like five seven or like five five even was like a good height for me so when I read six five and the thing that sucks was I'm pretty sure all of his friends were like kneeling down in photos with him to make him look like a good height so whenever I like showed up to hang out with him I was like this man is shorter than me and luckily I took him to a bar where like all my girlfriends worked at yeah so I was like okay I can easily get out of this (laughs) no problem (laughs) That's why you always just say, oh, I don't have a lot of time. Let's just get a coffee. That way you have yeah. a good excuse to leave. No, I used to just leave. Yeah. Also, don't ever go on a first date to dinner. That is the worst. Yes. If you hate them or if they're boring, you're stuck the entire time. Go for a coffee or a quick drink. You know, like yeah. have a really easy I used to option. take everyone to the Flying Saucer because I, I had two girlfriends that worked there uh, that I was nice. really close friends with. And I would like ha- like sit in their section and pretend like I didn't know them. So that way, whenever they would like see the vibe that I was uncomfortable, nice. they would like, I would sneak out and leave and they would just make up a story and be like, oh my God, I didn't even see her leave. What? That's so crazy. But she did pay the tab. So uh, that's great. <laughs> also, ladies, don't feel bad just getting up and leaving in the middle of a date. If it's not going well, go home. If you don't, if you don't feel comfortable, you know, like do what you got to do. Tell them you're going to the restroom and just leave. Who you're never gonna see him again? Who cares? And if you do, just pretend you don't remember him. Oh, I'm so sorry. I shit my pants. Bye. Bye. <laughs> he won't. Sorry, he won't want to talk to you then. No. No. If he does, sorry, then maybe, I caught diarrhea. <laughs> Something's wrong. But yeah. So welcome or not welcome. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast We're today. New to this. We are so sorry, guys. Definitely send us um, an email of you know some some ideas or what we can make better for our second podcast paranormal experiences yeah also ashley and i are going to be doing our own little segments i mean we're still going to be doing them together but ashley is going to be doing like a haunted zillow segment do you kind of want to describe what that's going to be uh basically and this isn't going to be limited to just houston i'm basically just going to be going through zillow like i i normally do but looking for houses where either murders have happened or hauntings and that sort of thing but ones that are currently listed so if you go back and look it may not be listed anymore it's probably going to be real time but uh we'll try to link the listings whenever we do yeah uh, do those i don't know certain sites might delete that link and they may not be active afterwards but 
I mean, we'll we can, see. we'll, we'll definitely post photos yeah. of the houses as well, um, on like our Instagram or our Twitter page. Um, and then another little segment that we're going to do is going to be our campfire segment, which is just where all of you listeners get to email us and send in your, you know, crazy haunting stories, or even, you know, if you want us to share a true crime story that has happened within your community or your friends and family, just let us know, but definitely, um, make sure that you have everyone's names changed. So we're not, um, disrespecting anyone, please. (laughs) Unless you want to be known and want your information out there. It's up to you. But yeah, thanks for listening guys. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye.